Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. Yeah, so I built myself a non-existent resume. But over the next three months, little did we know, we were going to close 160 million in transaction volume. Like, don't let fear get in the way of going after the luxury and the high-end properties, no matter what market or price point you're in. You're going to continue to learn until the day you die. And the moment that you think you're too good and you can't learn and you know everything, that's the day your career's over, in my opinion. Translate that information to them on a consistent basis so that they think of you and remember you. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. Hi, Alyssa. Hey, Katie. It is episode 173. I'm really excited about this one. It is the James Harris interview. If y'all don't know who James Harris is, he was on Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles. Yes. We were not sure what to expect with this interview. At all. They reached out to us. Yes. And they weren't someone we were even sure would be a good fit. So we were like, let's just do the interview. And if it's good, we'll share it. And it was so good. He is like high energy, but his philosophies on real estate were very much in line with ours. I was, I will not lie, a little bit nervous because just from the little bit I read and knew, I knew that he was a big door knocker (laughs) and I knew that that is not something that we talk about. But when you listen to the episode and hear how he describes it, you will be like, oh. That makes sense. sense. That's not creepy at all. No, it's not like a weird, so He had strategy, so I want you to listen because the strategy was actually quite brilliant and market-specific to him. Yes, yes. Okay, but anyway, I thought that – and we just sat there. If you're a YouTube watcher, we just (laughs) – We're like gaping. And we just sat there nodding our heads the whole time. And he really is a talker, so we did not need to – do much. Right. We just sat there and nodded our heads. But it was so good. You're, I enjoyed you're really it. gonna enjoy I enjoyed it, it immensely. Mm-hmm. He was a real it was a treat. I kind of feel like it's a good one to have right after Thanksgiving because it kind of gives you that little boost of motivation yeah. before Christmas to yes. just like don't forget about um, you know You know what Gary V always says? What? He loves times like August or um holidays because that's when everyone else is sleeping as mm-hmm. he calls it mm-hmm. and it's like you can actually like yeah get some things put done a couple of good weeks work of you know work in and like make some headway and to top it off he's british british oh my so god it was his extra ac- fun his accent was good to have an accent oh my god so fun tell us a little bit about james anything else you want to share before we start so his bio is on the bravo website <laughs> oh right he was on i think he'll tell us eight seasons yeah of, eight of, or eleven i can't remember a lot of seasons a of, lot of seasons of million dollar listing yes he's no Los longer Angeles. on the show 
Um, And we talk about that, too, in the episode. Yes, but his bio reads, the perfect blend of British style and American drive. I would agree. That is perfect. James Harris brings his charisma and wit to million-dollar listing Los Angeles. Born and raised in London, England, his entrepreneurial drive started at the age of 16. Mm -hmm. Today, he is living the American dream, working in a city he loves with an incredibly talented group of people. His business partner, David Parnes, specialized in high-end real estate in Beverly Hills, Bel Air, Sunset Strip, and the Hollywood Hills, etc. Yeah, they've sold $2 billion in real estate in the last five years. Billion. B, with a B. Yes. Wild. It was so funny because I was looking at his real estate website. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this condo is only (laughs) $120,000? Like, what a steal. It's so nice. I get that it's small, but I mean, I would buy it. Y'all, it was the monthly rent. 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 $120,000. I could not believe it. Anyways. Okay. You will love this episode. Yep. Here it comes. Get ready for James. Enjoy. Bye. Hey, well, welcome. Welcome. (laughs) We were recording an ad right before we had to meet you, and we were trying to do it under two minutes. And then next thing you know, we were like, oh, gosh, it's time. It's It's time. We've been so excited about it all day to get to chat with you. And we do like, we only record on Thursdays. We put everything back to back to back. Are you like a batch recorder when you do yours? Uh, Yes, we do actually. Yes, we Mm -hmm. do. We knock out five or six in, in a, in a morning or afternoon and then we're done and it's great. Yeah. It's Much nice, better but that you way. Have to be on your game if you're going to do yes, it that way. You 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 really do, but but you know what? It's better than trying to do it on six days. Much better. because it can really yes. suck up a lot of your time. Just the setup Ish. and the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Yes, it really okay. can. Well, but happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. So we're just going to get right into it. Will you, okay, will you tell our listeners a little bit about you and kind of like your history and your story, just in case we have anyone who doesn't know who you are? I think it would be helpful to get a little background. Yeah, of course. So I am born and raised in London. Um, I was a very troubled child, to say the least, (laughs) suffered with extreme, extreme ADHD, Uh, I was kicked out of nine schools um, and it was a disaster growing up in London because all of my friends were naughty like me, but they had normal childhoods and they didn't get kicked out of school and they didn't get caught for everything they did. I, on the other hand, was just a disaster. Um, And it was at age 12, I realized I just want to work. I want to get out. I love people. I want to make money um, and I want to become successful. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I quit school at 16. I landed my first real estate job um, and the rest is history. And we can get into that later, I suppose. Yeah. So what did you do as a 16 year old? Like what was your first taste of real estate? Yeah, so I built myself a non-existent resume. Obviously, I didn't have one. So I went and I went and took a photograph of myself in a telephone box in London. I remember it. It was pouring down with rain. I had one blazer that I owned that didn't fit me. I was wearing sweatpants down below. I had an umbrella 
And my mum's friend took a photo of me in a payphone box, and that was going to be my resume. And I decided I was going to blow up the uh, photo, and I was going to walk it into each agency that I wanted to interview at and leave them a photo of myself and ask to meet with the owner of the company. And that's exactly what I did. I highlighted all the companies I wanted to interview with, and it went through alphabetical order. And the first one on the list was a company called Dutch & Dutch. I walked in. I asked to speak with the CEO. CEO of the company. He said, that's me. I showed him my photo and I pitched him for an hour uh, on the spot of why I'd be a great assistant candidate. And he hired me on the spot. Um, And I ended up doing five years at that company. I did two and a half or two years in residential. Then they pushed me over to commercial. I did another two and a half years in the commercial side. So it gave me a great understanding of the overall business. Um, And it was then when I realized that in London, when you finish school, before you go to university, you do a gap year where you travel the world and you go backpacking. I never got to do any of that because I went straight to work. So it wasn't until after five years of work, I realized I need to travel. I need to see the world. I came to LA for three months where my father lived at the time. And that was about 18 and a half years ago. So that's where the journey in, in LA began, which we can get into. Wow. Okay. First, I want to say the gap year is one of my big things that I think is wrong with America. Like we just <laughs> go, oh, you must hurry through high school and then go straight to college and know yes. what you want to do. And nobody learns about themselves. So I think that's interesting that you missed it. But honestly, you knew enough about yourself to leave school and just start working. But I wish, yeah. we would, I wish we would do that. Me too. Will you, yeah. um, I know you have daughters. Will you um, include those types of things in how you raise them, even though you are in the United States now? Of course. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, how I've raised my children is, a, is always an interesting topic of conversation because when you think of L.A., it's not really the place you think about raising children, right? And then when you think about wanting to keep your children as grounded as possible, uh, and then you end up on a TV show for eight years, uh, there's that sort of very thin line of, I don't want to ruin my children. I don't want them to think life's one big TV show. So how do you kind of divide the two? Um, and we've always done our best to keep our children grounded um, and, and teach them values and make sure that my wife and I take time out of our day to spend with them. Um, and parenting is interesting because it's not something you can just learn. It's something that evolves as your children get older and wiser. And I now have a teenager, which nobody prepared me for that. Uh, yeah. and, and I can assure you, even if they did, there ain't no book you can read to prepare you for a teenager. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's a learning curve every day with your children. But the, ultimately, the more time you can spend with them and put into them, the better it will always be. Can you give us sort of like the PowerPoint version of how you went from, okay, so you took some time off to do your gap year at a later date. And then when you finished that, where did you start and how did you land in TV? Like, how did that evolve? Yeah, so I came to L.A. when I was 21, reckless, young, ready to have fun and party. um, And that's exactly what I did. Little did I know that was a self-destroying path to 
nothing short of a complete disaster. You know, when you're young and you think you're having fun and you're partying, what you're really doing is just wasting days that turn into months, that turn into years. You're not mm. growing spiritually. You're not growing in any way at all. You're just living day by day. And that's what I did for the first four or five years of living in Los Angeles. Um, I landed myself a job uh, trading commodities. This was during the, the recession. Um, and I was doing very well, but what I didn't realize was that I was actually miserable. I was partying my years away. I was blowing all of my money. I wasn't saving. I wasn't setting myself up for the future. Um, and then I met this woman uh, who quite literally changed my whole entire life, uh, my perspective, the way I think, the way I live, the way everything happens. And long and behold, that lady uh, got pregnant very, very quickly thereafter. I'm 25, she's 22, we're two children that are about to have a child. And when that child's going to be born, our lives are about to change overnight because there is nothing like having a child to give you a wake up call that it's time to grow up and take your life very seriously. And when my now wife at the time was 11 months pregnant, I actually decided to get sober um, and I quit drinking, I quit partying, I quit absolutely everything because I wanted my daughter to come into the world and not see her father as someone uh, that I wanted my daughter to look at me and look up to me, not look down to me. That sadly is how I look at my own father. Um, and so I did. I quit absolutely everything. We had our daughter August 29th, 2009. Um, and that's where life got real. It got serious. And that's sort of at the time. Well, I started real estate uh, a little before that. Um, but yeah, I, I, sorry, I didn't start real estate before that. That was when my daughter was born. It wasn't until my second daughter was born that I actually started in the real estate industry, which we can get to next. Okay. Crazy Shame. This is just, this is already so wonderfully helpful and real. And I mean, I'm familiar with you. I've watched your shows and like seen you. And this is my first time to ever hear this side of it. Like, I don't know if you've oh, yeah, shared it's it. A wild story. Yeah. It's, and it's, 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 it's a very... wild story. Um, but listen, you know, I think there's so many people out there struggling and people out there that feel as though they're less than or they can't achieve this or that or they're struggling in, in so many different ways. And the truth is, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter how you were raised. We each have a chance to be the best version of ourselves that we can be. Um, and I think we all have a path to take. I could have taken the path of carrying on the way I was, and it would have been a really sad ending. Or I wake up and take life seriously, clean up my act, and uh, make, make the best version of myself that I could. Fast forward three years, and my wife and I are then having our second daughter, uh, who's now nine years old, Chloe. Um, it wasn't until only a few months before Chloe was born that I came home one day and told my wife, I'm quitting my job. And David and I are setting up our real estate business. And I'll never forget my wife looking at me because I made great income at the time. You're quitting your what? <laughs> I'm quitting my <laughs> job and we're setting up a real estate business, but we're having a child in a month. What do you mean? Um, and I, and I was miserable doing what I was doing and I loved real estate and David loved real estate and we'd made this decision, 
um, that this is what we were going to do and we weren't going to stop until we could make a success out of ourselves. And that's honestly exactly what we did. We didn't have a contact in our phone book. We didn't know our way around the city, but we knew that we had to roll up our sleeves and work harder than everybody else because we were already at a d disadvantage. Um, and that's really how it all begun. Um, we went out and door knocked 10 hours a day. We sat open houses every single Sunday. We connected with every agent in the business so people knew who we were. Um, mm. And after one year of being in business, uh, we got the call from a casting agency saying that they were casting for Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles. Um, they had heard about David and I, and I thought the whole thing was a joke. I thought we were being pranked. Um, and I called Dave and I said, Dave, because this is why I thought it was a prank. I remember the call. The lady said to me, so-and-so has told us we need to reach out to you. Whoever so-and-so was, I didn't know that person. I'd never heard of that person's name. Having said that, Dave and I had had an extraordinary, not first year, but last three months. We had a terrible first six months, nine months. But over the next three months, little did we know, we were going to close 160 million in transaction volume. What, what happened to make that happen? A lot of hustling, a lot of door knocking, a lot of rolling up our sleeves. And to cut a very long story short, we had one lead from London, uh, someone that was relocating from London. And this individual leased a house in Bel Air that we got told about. It was a $40,000 a month lease. We stayed in contact with the lady who owned the house. Fast forward, that lady calls me and says, hey, I'm getting divorced. We own a building. Um, we want to sell it. The price is $30 million. It's non-negotiable. We then went out and found the buyer for that building. We double-ended that building, which means that was $60 million of transaction volume. Simultaneously, the same person we sold that building to, little did we know, was going to buy a teardown that we had door-knocked in Bel Air for another $6.5 million. And... The, the, the moral of the story is if you throw enough mud at the wall and you keep throwing and you keep throwing and you don't give up and you keep throwing, the reason they say something's got to stick is because something's got to stick, right? You throw enough work into something, you're going to get back. You're consistent in your work, you're going to get back. And I think so many people think that success happens overnight or they'll do something once a week or once a month or they put out one Instagram video, or they door knock once a week that they're going to get results. They're not. But if you keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again, you will be blown away by the results. And that's really what happened. And that literally led to someone hearing about us in a casting agency to cast us for a show called Million Dollar Listing. And that was nine years ago. Uh, we ended up shooting over 100 episodes across eight seasons or eight years. Um, and it's, it's been an unbelievable journey, really. Okay. I want to know. So then you were so early in your, in your career there when you got on the show, do you feel obviously it had to impact your business? Were all of the impacts positive? Were some of them negative? Was being on the show a detriment to your business at times, or was it always helping your business grow? In life, there are always going to be, um, pros and cons, right? And as long as the pros outweigh the cons, usually it's the right thing to do. Um, the show was never detrimental to our business, so to speak, but I would say the show 
took away from family time um, and took away from being able to focus 100% on my business. The show takes 11 months a year to shoot, which is one of the longest shows on reality television to shoot, period. Um, and we only shoot 12 episodes. You take The Housewives, for example, and they're shooting 22 episodes in, I want to say, maybe half the time. Um, so, yes, it was detrimental in the sense that I didn't spend as much time with my family. Now you're leaving the show. Like, you're, you, the show, you're done, right? No more recording. I'm done, and I'm done, and I'm done. And it was eight years that I will be eternally grateful for for the rest of my life. But I decided here that... If I'm going to do a TV show, it needs to be my own. Um, and that's not being cocky or arrogant because uh, Million Dollar Listing was hands down, A, one of the funnest things I've ever got to do. B, I learned so much through the process. Um, but I just feel as though, you know, I, I gave it everything I could for eight years. We filmed over 100 episodes and, and life goes on and life moves on and there's new opportunity. And if you stay in one opportunity, how are you going to get a new opportunity? And so there's lots of exciting things to come um, and lots of exciting things in the pipeline. Okay, so tell us how it's going to change your family life. Is that one of the biggest bonuses to not filming now, 11 months of the year? Like, what what are you looking forward to now? What are the biggest things well, in the pipe you're excited about? I haven't been filming since the beginning of this year, um, and I don't think it's any secret. We've done more business this year uh, <laughs> than we've done in our entire career. I want to say we're at around $800 million this year in sales. Um, and on top of that, I do spend a lot more time with my family. I do now work from home a lot more. My lifestyle has, I don't want to say it's improved because as I said, I loved doing the show. I absolutely, I miss it. I love, by the way, there's a lot of that I miss tremendously. Um, yeah. but there's been so many huge positives that have come out of not doing it anymore. Um, but again, if I really think about it, I, I, I just had a great time. You become friends with the production team. Uh, you it's, it's just an, it's, it's a really fun experience. Yeah. Can you give us a peek into the luxury market at the level that you are? I mean, on the show, we see the, the things that y'all do for marketing and the marketing budget. Like, how do you even budget for those things and, and market products at that level yeah i don't think luxury is a thing you can be taught or or you can budget for or you can really think about and the reason for that is no two properties are ever going to be the same no mm. two sellers are ever going to be the same and that's one of the reasons i love this business is every day is fresh every day is new um, and no two sales are ever going to be the same. In luxury, you need to identify, A, who you are, what your message is, and what your brand is, and who you're going after within your luxury market. Um, but I think each property is so different that you need to identify what the property is, who's going to buy the property, who's your seller, identify what that seller thrives off or enjoys or wants to see, um, and you build everything else around that. You build it around the property and around the seller. A lot of these large events we do, they're fantastic. They're the glitz and the glam. Um, maybe you're going to find a buyer out of them, but it's also a reason to keep your client very happy. Certain clients just want these big luxurious events. Um, so you're doing it for multi-purpose reasons, but I think in luxury, 
You have to really identify the situation that you're in, read it, understand it, and then build your campaign around that property, specific to that property and that client, if that makes sense. That makes it makes total sense. sense. Yes. Yeah. We don't, you know, our market at best, there's a $4 million. That's the highest. That's probably the highest yeah. price that's ever sold in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Like wow. it, it's not. Okay. And so where you're like, this stack is $4 million. We're like, you know, this <laughs> no, is the nice no. thing. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Katie. What do we mention almost every episode? Email templates. You're right. We sure do. (laughs) And after every time we mention an email template, do you know what we get? Emails asking if they can have (laughs) copies of the email template. Can you send me a copy of that template? I've never had one like that. That sounds great. And you know what the good news is? What? You can get all of our email templates from our course, Email Templates 101. Tell the people about it. Our course has all of the email templates you would need to send to your buyers and your sellers and your clients that are buying and selling at the same time. Exactly. (laughs) To get through every step of the transaction and giving them information that they need for where they are in the transaction. It's great because you never forget to tell them something. Yes. And we've already done all the work for you. We wrote them and you can personalize them. Yes. And just feel organized knowing that you have all the information where it needs to be. And if you purchase Email Templates 101, you do get lifetime access. So occasionally we like to go in and make updates based on the market or if we find a new best practice. And we put that right into the template and you get that updated straight away. It just goes straight to your course. Yep. Right. It's, it's just there. It's, it's just already there. in there. It's just already there. in there. You don't even have to worry about it. We'll That's send wonderful. you an email and we'll say updated. That's great. Where can they find these email templates? You can find the email templates at email templates with an s 101.com email templates 101.com yes head over for reviews and all of the specifics wonderful hey enjoy yeah but by the way a four million dollar sale is great and if that's luxury in your local market then you have to treat that the same way that I would treat a 20, a 50, a hundred million dollar sale. Nothing changes. You're still dealing with luxury within your local market. And yeah. if you can sell one $4 million home and impress the seller, uh, then there's no reason you can't sell 50 of those $4 million houses. I think mm-hmm. fear stands in the way of so many of us as agents that we don't want to go after the highest, highest listing in our area. When actually if 4 million is the highest, that's all I'd be going after in Louisiana. That's all I'd be targeting. That's all I'd be branding myself towards. And if that meant driving an hour away to get to those houses, I'd be in my car at 7 a.m. getting to those areas by 8 a.m. so that I was ahead of everybody else. Like, don't let fear get in the way of going after the luxury and the high-end properties, no matter what market or price point you're in. Okay. How did you get through the fear? Like, what, what was it that made you get through that part where you feel like, I don't know if I'm qualified for this? I am always qualified for anything because if, if, no, he knows he's no, no, but, but, but seriously, if, 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 if you are your own competition, if you are, um, fear, okay. False evidence appearing real. We've, we've heard it from so many different people. Okay. If you let a fear get in the way of your success, the longer you leave that fear, the bigger that fear is going to become. It's just a fact. The quicker you jump in front of that fear and tackle that fear, 
the quicker that fear is going to be minimized in size and become smaller. So one rule of thumb I live by is if something scares the shit out of me, I'm going to jump in front of it immediately. I'm going to tackle it. I'm going to get in front of it. And that fear is gone. It's literally gone. Um, and, and the truth of the matter is when we started in the business, we didn't know anything. We didn't know Bel Air. We didn't know Beverly Hills, but we did know that we could door knock. And for us, instead of door knocking 500, 600, $700,000 homes, we went and door knocked 10, 20, $30 million homes because we realized very early on, nothing changes except the commission check goes up by 50 times. So why are we going to short change ourselves if we don't have to? And then people would say, well, you know, in those $30 million homes, you can't just walk up to the door. Of course you can't. But there's a doorbell at the gate, and that doorbell at the gate goes to the front door that's inside of the house. Someone's going to answer it. And that's exactly what we did. And I think people want to talk about what they're going to do, and they're going to talk about prospecting, and they're going to have a meeting about how to do it. Just get out there and do it. The more you yeah. sit, the more you talk, the more you think about it, the more fearful you become instead of just getting in your car, going out and doing it, and you will be amazed by the results. So, okay, you knock on a door, someone answers. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> what, well, what was your first thing? The first thing is when you go out door knocking, you better have a strategy. Okay, because you're not just door knocking random doors. So for us back then, we were door knocking teardowns. Okay, we were only door knocking teardowns. It was at a time in Los Angeles where developers were just buying up dirt, tearing down these old houses built in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and they were rebuilding 20, 30, 50, 60 million dollar homes. So our strategy was very simple. We would show up with a high level of energy, a high level of excitement. We already knew we could get to the developers. We already had a couple of developers that were looking and we would knock on these teardowns and we would tell these sellers, hey, we've got this unbelievable client. They are incredibly motivated by this property's location. They don't need to see the inside of the house, but they've been looking for this location and this street for so long. Would you just consider selling? And they'd usually say no. And then the job is to pull a number out of them that makes sense because everybody has a number. Some of them were completely unrealistic. Some of them thought they were being unrealistic, but to a developer, it actually made complete sense. And once you start the engaging and you're talking and you're asking questions and the more and more you're talking, the more and more you're getting information. And long and behold, you turn around and say, well, look, if I could get you that number, would you let my client just walk around the exterior of the property? I'd consider it. Great. Can I just take your number? Think about it. Sleep on it. Speak to the family. I'll call you tomorrow. I'll call you next week. Now you start to build your pipeline. Now you go from one person to five people to 50 people to 300 people on the pipeline. Before you know it, sellers are saying, yes, you're taking developers. And then what's beautiful about this whole process is nine times out of 10 if you sell a developer a piece of dirt, three, four, five years later, they're going to build a house. They're going to use you to then sell that house. And that's really how we founded our business. We sold our first property for six and a half million from a door knock in Bel Air. Fast forward nine years, about six months ago, we just closed on that house for $38 million. So, and we've done this 50 times in the last 10 years, 50, literally. So, it works. It's proven. Is it tedious? Is it boring? Is it 
annoying at times, of course, but if you work it and you work it hard and you throw enough mud at the wall, it will stick and you will become successful, period. I have always found that just when it's about to be annoying enough to call it quits, like you get that win breakthrough yep. and you're like, Oh yep. my gosh, I have to keep going. It's so good. Right. That okay. as well. Absolutely. <laughs> what is the most humbling thing though, early in your career, early in the door knocking, what is the most humbling thing or even the most scary thing? Like what's something that happened while you were trying these techniques that you were like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe I need to rethink this. You know, I think for me early on, it was being asked questions that I truly had no idea of the answer. And, mm -hmm. and this is an interesting one here. When you're new in a business and you're all excited and pumped up and someone throws a question at you and you haven't got a clue of the answer, in that moment, you shit your pants and you freeze up and you get scared and your reaction is to answer with what you think the answer is, which is probably wrong. Well, in real estate, you can't afford to be wrong because that will lead to getting sued. And <laughs> what I've learned in my career over the years is there is nothing more powerful than turning around to somebody and saying, I don't know. Let me get back to you. Or I'd rather not answer that because I'd hate to be wrong. Let me check, verify and come back to you. That is a very powerful objection to give back to someone. And by the way, if it's a new client, it just gives you another reason to call them back anyway. But I right. think in the moment of when I was new in the business and naive, I wanted to answer everything. I wanted to be an expert, but I'm not, I wasn't. And even today, you're never going to stop learning in this business. You're going to continue to learn until the day you die. And the moment that you think you're too good and you can't learn and you know everything, that's the day your career is over, in my opinion. So mm -hmm. always be open to listening and learning. Right, right. I think that's a great lead in, though, to the blueprint. I want you to tell me about the blueprint, what the blueprint is. Why would you do this? I, I want because I've been reading it and it's really good. And I love yeah. I, I love to absorb real estate information. Like, I think we both do. Like we just want to learn more. We want to see what's going on in other places. But what would make you say, I'm going to I'm going to create a real estate you know, news outlet, if you will. Yeah, it's a great question. The Blueprint is a real passion project, both for David and I. Um, and I think it goes back to everything we've been speaking about today, right? I never had a Blueprint when I started. I never had somebody uh, giving me information every day that I could go out and use in my uh, everyday career. And so the Blueprint is our newsletter that we really just put out to give back to agents because our whole idea is Tuesdays and Fridays is when we release the, the news, the newsletter. And we wanted it to be short, concise information that agents, no matter where you were, which city, which state, which county, if you're reading this newsletter, there should be one, two, three or th three things you can take away out of that newsletter that are going to better you in that day, that are going to help you improve your sales skills, sharpen your sales skills, give you talking points to talk to sellers about, answer rebuttals. And that really is it. It was like, no one did it for us, so let's do it for others. Um, and, and that's really what the blueprint is about. There's, I think, a million eight agents around America um, and we want to service every single one of them. We want to be able to help every single one of them. We also just started a podcast, Rise Above the Ranks. Again, not an hour, 15-minute segments where we can just spit out 
quick pieces of information. And as long as you can hear one thing from one newsletter or one podcast, or you hear one thing from what we've discussed today that helps you better your day, your career, your life, it was worth listening to. And that's how I right. always look to things. Look, look, look for the similarities, not the differences in these type of things. And, and mm -hmm. think about how they can help you build and grow and become better. So what is your, do you have a team right now? How does your admin look? You have your hands in a few different things, all real estate related. So how do you structure that in a business format as far as the number of people helping you? Yeah, we've always kept our team very lean and mean. We never wanted to have a three, 400 person team. Now that is soon to change because we are scaling and growing our team very quickly now, but not too quickly. But the way we've run it now is we have the most unbelievable infrastructure back office that works uh, on our team. And without that infrastructure, there's no way we could operate. We have a director of operations who sits right here at the top and is our lifeline. Without her, Michelle, there's no way we could survive. We have an in-house marketing director who handles all of our marketing assets and handles everyone on our team's marketing assets. We have an in-house transaction coordinator. We have a listings coordinator. We have an assistant. Um, and the team there is there to support everyone. Um, and then we've always kept it small, lean and mean on our team. We've got five incredible salespeople on the team. And the, the, the way I look at our team is like a well-oiled machine. Everybody mm -hmm. knows what they have to do. Everyone knows how they can help the other person. Um, communication is key. We have a group text message um, that everybody is on so we can keep each other up to date. We empower each other to be successful. We congratulate each other. Um, and, and we all succeed from each other's success. And I think that is the key to uh, a, a dream team, in my opinion. Sounds, yeah, yeah. It sounds just like we're just look if anyone so we put our videos on youtube right so the podcast comes out you can listen but you can also watch the video on youtube if anyone is watching we're just sitting here and just nodding that's good i hope it's i hope it's uh i hope it's a good segment and that people get something from it yeah but these are all the same things that we are always advocates for in teaching community over competition and you know really taking something valuable from each thing you learn and, and just all of these embracing the strengths that you have while honoring the strengths that she has, that they're different. Totally. You know? Right. Totally. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell us about, I guess, where do you see things going? What, what would you like to share with our audience? What, how do you want, I know, like, what is it that you want to see happen within your business? You know, I always look at growth. Um, I'm always trying to think outside of the box, be creative, do things a little differently, disrupt the market, um, and remember and understand in each respective business, you're always growing, you're always learning. So for us, the only thing I would say is we're entering a very rough market, okay? Interest rates have tripled since the pandemic. And, you know, I think a lot of agents will weather the storm and come out of this stronger than ever. And a lot of market, sadly, a lot of agents won't make it. Um, this is a time as agents that I hate to say it, but you either swim or you sink. And so to the agents out there that want to swim, that want to succeed, that want to come out of this stronger, be prepared and ready to go at this 110 percent. 
You know, mm. what we experienced through COVID wasn't normal. That wasn't normal at all. Um, and I feel like we were given everything on a silver platter through COVID as real estate agents. What's about to happen is times where you need to trim the fat from teams. You need to get smart. You need to think outside of the box and you need to work harder than all of the competition out there if you want to succeed. And if you're willing and prepared to do that, you will come out stronger and better for it. And if you're not, then it may be a time to think about a new career. Absolutely. Have you been through a recession type period in your years in real estate? Or do you think this will be kind of unlike anything else? No, I do not think so. Yes, I have in London. Um, I do not think, and obviously I've been in, in America through the 2008 recession. I do mm -hmm. not think we're entering a 2008 recession. 08 was based around a subprime mortgage crisis. I always say the movie The Big Short was the best explanation yeah. of what that really looked like. There is real money in America today. The banks are not loaning to anybody today. This is a recession due to inflation. Um, it's the cost of goods and services and living. And the reason interest rates are rising is to try and curb the inflation rate. They're doing that. This had to happen. Rates aren't crazy today. If you look back uh, to when they were 16, 17, 18 percent, um, people think they're crazy because we've just experienced several years in the twos and the threes. Um, so readjust, recalibrate, re-strategize and go out and be successful. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have one, I think last question that our, our listeners and our community was curious about. Oh, you provide excellent customer service to your real estate clients. That seems like it's paramount on what you're doing. What are some of the things that you do now and did in the beginning or still do that provides that service to your clients? Like how would you describe, I guess, the experience you're giving your clients? Yeah, so I'm going to keep it very simple because I look at this business like this. A lot of people want to complicate this business, even though it's very, very simple. Mm -hmm. The most important thing you can do with a client is communication. Okay, mm -hmm. communication is the key to your success. A client is a homeowner that is selling or renting. That's it. It's very simple. They want to know what's happening in the market. They want to know what's happening in their local market. They want to know what's happening in, in with the interest rate world. They want to know the comps. They want to know what's sold. They want to know what's pending, what's in escrow. People that you are working with want to know relevant information in your key market because they're out doing their job. You should be here doing yours. And yours mm -hmm. is being a wealth of information to your clients. Can you send them Christmas gifts, Hanukkah gifts, Easter gifts? Absolutely. Can you be creative in the things that you do for them or get them a nice closing gift? Absolutely. But the one thing we should all be doing as agents is staying front and center with our clients, being a wealth of information, providing relevant information, and making sure that you translate that information to them on a consistent basis so that they think of you and remember you at any time they want to buy or sell, or they're sitting at that dinner party, uh, and talking to one of their friends. So information is key. Stay relevant and make sure you stay in contact with your clients always. You are just delightful. Delightful. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I feel like everything. As you are said, you. 
validated everything we have been teaching for three years on our podcast. Yeah. So it, you have said that. nothing that I wasn't like that. That's exactly right. That's what we've been saying. So I feel I like you were such a great fit for our audience. I yes. know they're going to take a lot away from your energy and from your tips and from your like overall story. Um, I have a question. Oh, you have a question. Do you work with buyers? Do you have uh, agents that handle your buyers or what is your buyer situation? So I absolutely work with buyers um, and we do have a team. um, So it it depends on the circumstance, right? But we'll often give buyers out to members of our team. But of course, this is such a specific business. There's going to be certain buyers that want to work with you. But yes, I will never discount business or turn business away. Never. In a market like yours, when you have a buyer, do you find it is hard to find what they are looking for? Like, how long do you feel? Is there an average time that you spend until they, until they find the house that fits their needs? No, not really. I think in <laughs> our market, it could be literally a day. And it could literally be 10 years. I mean, my, yeah. my, my longest client to date uh, was at eight years of looking and they ended up nearly buying a hundred million dollar house. So it was very worth it. Um, having said that, I've been out with certain clients and we've been out once and they found their, their home, right? Everybody's different, right? But buyers are, are, buyers are a dream as long as they're loyal and you know they're going to buy. So I think you have to take, remember, time is money in this business, okay? If you have a buyer that's unrealistic, um, that is going to just take up all your time and then find a $2 million house and write an offer of 800000 that's probably not the buyer you want to work with. This is a listings-driven business. It just is, <laughs> okay? You have the <laughs> listing, you have the control. So go after listings. But again, if you can find a great buyer, there's nothing mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Okay, this is a listings business, and that is true. And I feel like yes, this is. is this market, this these these cases, the stuff that's going on with the DOJ. Like things are going to shift where the structure yes. is going to change, right? Like I feel like, what are your thoughts? Do you think the structure is going to change? It's going to. I think it's going to change at some point. Are you using nobody buyer? knows? Nobody knows. Am I Do using you... buyer? What? Sorry. A uh, buyer contract like a... now. Like, oh, no, we I know certain markets do. We, we just don't. We never. Yeah, we have. Don't um, yeah, yeah we, we don't. Look, is the market going to change because tech is going to come in? Of course, there's going to be a percentage of the market that changes where people can save money and use a tech platform. But generally speaking, if you're doing your job, if you're providing a service, if you're a wealth of information, if you communicate with your clients, they need us. They're going to use us. They're going to work with us. And I think we'll leave it at that. But, um, yeah, I think work hard, focus. Don't get caught up in anything out there. Stay in your lane. Stay focused. Go build your business. I think the most pleasant surprise of this interview is that you come off as having, like, all the bells and whistles and shiny things, yet you like to keep it so simple and basic and don't overcomplicate it. And just put That's... work hard and treat your clients well, and you will succeed. <clears throat> right. That That's was it. so good. good. This was great. Is Thank there anything you. you want to share? Tell us how to find you. Tell our audience how they can find the blueprint, all of this. Yes, just go download it or, or sorry, subscribe. It's uh, readtheblueprint.com. Definitely subscribe. And it's free. You know, we're not, we're not charging. So it's completely free. 
Um, and give us your feedback. Let us know what you think. Tell us the stories that you want to see. We're all about feedback. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you both. Awesome. Nice to talk about our toast. Oh, do you have a toast? Did you bring a toast? Do you remember? A toast? Probably not. Ben probably has a toast. Ben was supposed to tell you. At the end of every episode, our guests or we toast to someone. So like a cheers to someone who's maybe, you know, had a recent success or or helped you in your business. Like I want to cheers to you. Cheers to my wife that puts up with me every day. (laughs) Amen. Okay. Bye, James. Thank you. Bye, ladies. Thank you for your time. Have a lovely day. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly podcast. Let us know who we should toast to for the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode, topic, or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. See you next week. Bye. This is the good life.